0: I was really excited to finally see you uh, in person uh, performing and telling your story because I've, I've, I've loved your writing for so long. And, and, and what I love chiefly about it is that you, you sort of prove time and again that you can love a thing while still be being critical of the thing. You know, our version is through irreverence and making jokes, (laughs) and your version is to point out some really serious, complicated feelings and ideas about uh, uh, Mr. William Shakespeare and his life and work.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I actually appreciate you saying that because I was thinking, oh yeah, I guess that's
0: true. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, and now in its 16th year, number 818, Where We Belong. Madeline Sayett is a director, educator, and writer, a member of the Mohegan tribe in Connecticut, and now also an actor touring in her one-woman show, Where We Belong, telling the story of her journey from childhood to studying Shakespeare in England and directing theater around the world. I saw Where We Belong in its final weekend at the Goodman Theater here in Chicago, and it's a powerful, moving, and while not a comedy, occasionally funny piece of work. Where We Belong begins a two-week run at the Hudson Valley Shakespeare Festival this week, which gave Madeline and I a chance to talk about the origins of her play and the various reactions it gets wherever she plays it.
1: There were some people who, when they saw the play, and they'd be like, well, is this anti-Shakespeare? And I was like, well, I don't think it's anti... Unless you equate Shakespeare and white supremacy, I don't think it's anti-Shakespeare. So I guess the question is, what are you... What are you holding on to as what you consider to be pro Shakespeare? Um, but yeah, I mean, the thing is, is, that's the thing, right? Is like I, I really do love love his plays, but I think that the 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 the, uh, the space that they occupy in society is at times, you know, an unquestioned space that is the the byproduct of a lot of systems um, that actually really need to be deeply examined. So it's it's not to say anything. It's not to say that like anything is, you know, wrong with you know, him or the plays. He is simply a man of his time period, writing plays of his time period, that then now that they are in the now, we have to think about how they got here and why they're so much more prominent than other things.
0: Well, and there was definitely a moment, and I wish I could remember what you said that prompted it, but clearly you were talking about maybe the Brits, maybe about just white assholes but there was a (laughs) there was an old white couple that got up and left and maybe this was a half an hour in or something and i just was imagining their conversation thinking i'm not comfortable seeing a play where i'm the bad guy
1: (laughs) (laughs) well there's actually been a decent number of people who leave the funny thing is is when we did it in england nobody left but (laughs) because i think i think in england there was this the sense of people who were coming to see it were people who were like curious about what was actually, they knew it was a native play. They they were curious about what was gonna be said. Um, whereas here, I think there's been a lot more resistance to anything that like questions people's relationship to their comfortability around colonial history, to their sort of deification of certain things. And also to be honest, it's not like a a fun, easy, light play. So also if you just didn't know where you were going to, I also could understand like, why you'd be like, Oh, it's this, you know, which I actually really appreciated Chicago for that reason, because I feel like Chicago, because it's such a theater city, the audiences have actually been really receptive um, to go on the journey, which has been really, really fun. Um, But it is weird, because it's not something I ever created with the expectation it would tour and when you're touring something you know you go to a lot of different kinds of places and I'm like oh like I don't know of all the kinds of places the kinds of places I was thinking I would have to tell this you know when I wrote it so it's been really interesting but also um yeah it's been interesting to see what different people get out of it and people who share their stories with me after listening to it and also it's to be honest the first I also don't blame people when they, if anybody leaves in the first half hour, because the first half hour has so much exposition right now compared to the way it used to be structured. Um, that I'm like, I'm like, I understand why it needed a certain amount of exposition because it sets up the end much more clearly. But sometimes I'm like, even when I'm doing it, I'm like, oh, there's a lot. <laughs> 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 <I'm
0: kidding>, now. <laughs> well, I loved it. For, I mean, for many reasons, but I loved it because it felt like a fringe show. Mm-hmm. It felt like I mean, and and it's the kind of fringe show I'm a sucker for. You know, a person <laughs> telling her story uh, uh, that involves her not only her family but her ancestors, and I'm a sucker for all of that family, generational, historical, personal um, stuff. And yet, it was there at the Goodman, the Goodman Theater, one of the Chicago's flagship theaters, being um, introduced to audiences that might ne- not ever see it on a fringe stage so kudos to the goodman for i guess and the folger and woolly mammoth and all these other regional theaters for uh, uh, putting it on
1: yeah it's really interesting because i do yeah it is it was originally like you know the first time we did it it was very much a festival piece and it didn't have any stuff and it was funny because once they added all the stuff they were like oh well we it has to be in theaters that can afford both the stuff and also like um the way the lighting cage is set up for tour, it weighs like 2000 pounds. And so even when it's at the public, there's only one space it could be in because the other spaces, the ceiling would collapse. And I was like, wonderful. That's so comforting. Um, but you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, it's become like this thing, but it is weird because as you said, like it is very much a friend show. It was, it was designed to be that kind of weird little experimental thing where it's just people and sharing and at least the thing i'm really grateful for about the space the goodman is the physical space is a really great space for a solo show and that it really does hold you yep, whereas yep. some theaters have been going into right it's this weird little show and then it's in like a very proscenium a proscenium and i'm like here and they're there and i'm like how do i get to them you know so um yeah, that was right. That's right on the mark. And it is interesting to see what, what then happens if this thing that usually, again, would only like reach this very small number of people reaches more people. And, and the thing I've sort of like taken away from it is like, there's some people where it like, it resonates really deeply or they question things. And even some people, when it doesn't resonate that deeply with them, I I still notice that they leave like thinking about different things in some interesting way. And so it's a really, uh, it's a really interesting experience going on the journey with that. And for native people, it's been really great because, um, because a lot of the people who I've gotten to talk to haven't gotten to see any of our stories on stage before. And in addition to that, like, um, I love it when other Native folks are in the audience because, like, obviously I get laughs at a lot of things I don't get laughs at otherwise and things like that. <laughs> so, um so it's been really interesting to be able to also like uh you know be around different Native communities in different cities that I, I haven't been around before. Chicago has a really really uh, vibrant Native community, so that's made made being in Chicago particularly fun.
0: And you're playing at the at theater like the Goodman, you're gonna get a lot of people who look like me, older and whiter <laughs> than they can possibly be. But what I love about the play again, it's so specific and so personal, and yet incredibly universal. We all have these feelings of not feeling as if we belong or kept out of a conversation or whatever so I it always surprises me when people going well I can't relate to it it's a whenever but it's it's not it's it's we all talk about this.
1: I think as long as people have a willingness to question things, I think that, cause that's ultimately what the play is an invitation to do is it's yeah. really just to engage with certain questions. And I think that that's, what's been really interesting cause I was nervous after there was one venue where the people you could tell there was a lot of resistance and it made me so nervous. So I was like, oh my God, am I gonna have to go to a bunch of venues? where the audience is, because, you know, subscriber theaters are like really complicated because they just have these subscribers they expect to come in a lot of instances. Um, And who
0: come and they don't really sometimes always know what they're seeing.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so that was like, I was like, oh no, what have we done? But it's been, it's been really interesting because yeah, it's like, no matter who you are, if you're someone who's coming with a willingness and an open mind to just be open to things and to question certain things and that's fine. And I think that that, that's the, the only thing that's similar to the question of like, whether you're questioning Shakespeare and people get resistant. It's that thing of people who are like, you're not supposed to question things. Those are the people who it seems like it's not right for but anyone else. It can, it can be a really good experience.
0: I might've missed this because I missed the first 10 minutes, Um, (laughs) but can, can you talk about how you came to Shakespeare and why, what about the language or the stories or whatever appeals to you?
1: You wouldn't have gotten that in the first 10 minutes, don't worry. But the first 10 minutes is the whole setup, Austin. You'll never know what happens. Um, uh, yeah, The the um, how I came to Shakespeare. So my my uh, my mom actually uh, started taking me to see Outdoor Shakespeare when I was like six or seven. And so my grandpa gave me the complete works then. And so I was just used to the stories from a very young age as sort of like a part of my fairy tale world. And then once I was in high school, I found out you could audition to be in the books. And so I started performing Shakespeare at a very young age. And so it was always something that I could come back to and had a facility with. Um, And, and so it was always a space of like joy and comfort for me. That then as I, you know, I got older, I started to question and be able to engage with more deeply in different ways.
0: Well, and, and, and you're, you're critical of Shakespeare and you're questioning of Shakespeare in the play. But the the part I loved is how critical uh, you are of academia, Mm -hmm. because boy, there are some, there's no shortage of stuffed shirts and peop- people unwilling to question
1: yeah
0: things than an academia. And you're now teaching, am I right at a, at Arizona State?
1: Mm-hmm. I am. yeah.
0: Um, uh, that I, I love it when professors are also professionals. Mm-hmm. Uh, it in just informs your teaching. Oh, I, all, I, I can talk about it, I can write about it. I can teach it, but I also have to do it. And that ch- how does that change things for you?
1: Well, it's, I mean, you know, I, I feel very, very lucky that I actually was like, you know, brought into that particular position by Ayanna Thompson, who was creating a position for me. So they wanted a practitioner, do you know what I mean, to be a part of their program? Right. Um. And I think it's, I mean, I think for me, I think that you, I mean, and I actually, I remember when I was, you know, when I was uh, doing academic work, too, you know reading Shakespeare's plays chronologically, you think about him differently as a playwright. You know, you think about his work evolving as a playwright if you're an artist. And similarly, when you're acting things, you're learning things that you can't learn just by, by reading them. And, and the way information is put together in a story is so different when it's in the body than when it's not. And also as a director, the ways in which, right, where like, you question and you put together a world, is it's its own sort of thing. So I love being able to think about things from different angles and just to create environments in which students can find their creative access points to different works to really think about things. Um, and yeah, and so ASU is a great opportunity for me in terms of the fact that it's a space in which like I am being very much invited to to think about how I wanna teach or what I wanna teach. Um, and and it's, it's, it's kind of, it, it, it's it, there's also like 11 early modernists there. So it's also a place where like, if I wanna pop into someone's Shakespeare class or I wanna teach a Shakespeare class to something weird, I can, but there's a plethora of Shakespearean. So it's not like you're required to be the one filling a slot at any given time.
0: Michael Whitmore, director of the Folger Shakespeare Library in Washington, D.C., and you're listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company Podcast. Where can you RSE, the RSE? The Reduced Shakespeare Company will return to touring this fall of 2022, performing Hamlet's Big Adventure, a prequel, in Rolla, Missouri on September 21st, Bloomington, Illinois on September 23rd, Jasper, Indiana on September 25th, and the Wharton Center in East Lansing, Michigan on November 9th and 10th. Check out the touring page at our website, ReducedShakespeare.com, or our Twitter feed, at Reduced, for the latest information. Now back to my conversation with Madeline Sayett, the author and performer of Where We Belong, which after it plays at the Hudson Valley Shakespeare Festival this August, it will run at Seattle Repertory Theater and the Public Theater in New York City this fall of 2022, and Portland Center Stage and the Oregon Shakespeare Festival in 2023. For me, it takes the preciousness out of Shakespeare to think about, oh, I've also got to make him work on stage. Yeah and suddenly many academic ideas <laughs> should g- go out the window because yeah. yeah, but if it doesn't land for an audience, then what? why are we here?
1: Why are we And it was funny because I remember there were these conversations I've had with academics where they go see a Shakespeare play and the thing they're mostly frustrated about is what was or wasn't cut. And I'm like, how is this the thing that we're focusing on right now? You know what I mean? Like whether or not the text is pure. It's like the text was never pure and you know that because you're an academic. So where did this come from? There is
0: no such thing. Yeah. Rules in Shakespeare. <laughs> um, getting getting back to uh, what you were saying about how how Shakespeare came to you like from your mother and from your grandfather. I love that aspect of it because at least in the in the play version of your relationship to your mother your your mom um gives you grief about uh studying this dead white man
1: yeah so it's the only thing in the play that's not exactly so all of the conversations in the play are verbatim conversations except for I had to hybridize my mom's character into like sort of uh As terrible as this is, basically, like there's things she says that are actually things that people in the native theater community were saying to me when I was leaving, as opposed to her, who actually was very supportive of me going to get my PhD in Shakespeare. So it's um it's yeah, it is, it's funny because it creates a kind of fictionalized version of my mother, um, who actually uh did not say she's I mean, she said some of those things, but she didn't say those particular things about, you know, going across the ocean at the time. Now, whether or not she says that I have a zit because I did something that was bad medicine, like that is true she does do that but um you know but it's um but no she was very supportive and so in that particular instance I sort of had to figure out okay well I can't put a million people in the play all the time and and it she her character kind of grew over time because it was useful for her actually to have a kind of arc that in some ways it's funny because I actually think depending on the audience I was thinking about this depending on the audience sometimes she's the antagonist and sometimes I'm the antagonist Um, and like, it's an interesting thing because it's like, if they don't, if it's a group of people who doesn't really get her, then she's working against me. But if it's a group of people who get her and know that, like, if it's a group of native people, then it's sort of like, I'm being bad. Do you know what I mean? So it's an interesting relationship because it's like, there is a journey to like coming to something else, but actually how you get there, uh, changes, I think, depending on your perspective.
0: Well, and as an audience member, you can be, you can sympathize with both and neither, you know? as as a man who has been similarly slandered in his wife's one woman show Uh, I am hashtag team your mother so
1: (laughs) she she the funny thing is is when you know when she saw it the first time I thought oh my god she's gonna be horrified and all she did was she sat in the audience and nodded like Mm -hmm. yes that is correct every time she said something and I was like oh my god (laughs) I was like well at least she's not mad she said she's just like correct yes (laughs) <laughs> but it is funny that thing of like oh once something is true how true it has to be because I, I I've been like dealing with this conflict now of the fact that like well, my dad's not in the play my dad's not in the play because he's not in my life he's just not in the play because well he doesn't need to be in the play and also he didn't want to be in the play you know what I mean like and now and now that the play is like got more of a life people are like well why aren't I in the play and I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm like well at the end of the day everyone it is a play it isn't actually like the entirety of my life on stage
0: I, I I love it that this conversation has now become about the dangers of writing a one-person show. Yeah. And actually the title to the sequel could be Why You Don't Belong in My Play.
1: I know. And my mom was joking it the other day. She's like, well, they want to be in it now that it's good, you know? Like now everybody's, like what, before nobody wanted to be in it because they weren't <laughs> sure what it was going to be.
0: You talk about your mom talking about bad medicine. Is there something, yeah. is there something about theater that is good medicine? Yeah,
1: like, yeah, yeah either
0: doing it or seeing it or participating in it somehow.
1: Yeah, I talk a lot about story medicine in my work, which is basically like story as good medicine. I mean, it can also be bad medicine, but the idea that like when you tell a story, it can be used to heal or harm. So it can be good or bad medicine. And really focusing on how do we create stories that are actually you know doing healing work that are having positive impact. And, and I feel like, um, this story, um, you know, that is, that is always the hope, you know, and that is, I think the hope when I'm making any play and even when I'm directing Shakespeare, right. I'm trying to think about how do we, how do we put it in a context for today that actually has meaning that is going to create an impact that is going to, you know, help people in a positive way. Um, and so that's something I think about deeply with all of my work, whenever I'm making something. Um, and, and in the case of this one, it seems like, you know, it's, it's actually, I think about it a lot with native audiences for this play, because it's, um, it's not an easy play for native audiences because they actually have to you know a lot of the stuff isn't new for them but it's not fun stuff you know yeah. so like having to go through the scene at the museum and all of that can be actually quite a lot but there's something that people still say is like resonant in a healing way often which I think is is still still really good but it is it's that figuring out what that balance is to to make something that is a healing work I think is is very hard and also knowing that like you know it you can't I mean, if you know your community and it's going to a specific community, it might be possible to make something for everyone, but with something like this that is touring in this way, it it really can't be for every possible audience. Right. so it's it's a tricky um, it's a tricky balancing act.
0: That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, except for one more thing, which I'll share with you in about sixty seconds. So stick around. Madeline Say It begins her two-week run of Where We Belong at the Hudson Valley Shakespeare Festival this weekend. And the script for Where We Belong comes out later this month. Go to her website, MadelineSayIt.com for dates, links, and more information. And you can follow her on Twitter at Sayet. Then send us your good medicine via email to feedback at shakespeare.com. or throw a comment to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram or on our own actual website, com, or visit my website, TheShakesperience.com. Thanks, as always, to star of his own one-man show in his own mind, Matthew Croak, web services by Ginger Power Limited, music by John Weber and GarageBand. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Richard Walters. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to Michael Whitmore, director of the Folger Shakespeare Library in Washington, D.C., and finally, thanks very much to you for listening. Please continue to stay safe, get your boosters, and keep your masks on. I'm Austin Titchener, 818th, fourths of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. One of the things I'm remembering as you talk about it, when you talk about Hudson Valley, is that I also over the pandemic wrote a play a, a farce a comedy one hopes um, <laughs> um about my ancestors and and i'm descended from one of those puritans that came over from england oh cool the first record we have of him is from 1642 in the new haven colony which i think is not far mm-hmm. from where the pequot massacre yes was. correct
1: correct Very and true.
0: Which I only found out in the research for my play. I was like, yeah. "Holy!" I mean, they moved. He yeah. moved down to Newark, yeah. but uh, in the 1660s. But still, it's like, "Holy shit!" I have probably got ancestors who were slaughtering your ancestors. And that's
1: uh, how that's how, his, that's how history works, Austin. But it's interesting too. I was thinking about. I was thinking about talking to you. I was thinking, "Oh, that's you know, it's good. It's nice talk to Austin about this because, so my play obviously is not a comedy." But but there there are are lovely
0: funny moments.
1: There are some jokes, you know, and the problem is, is I can tell who's in the audience by whether or not I get any laughs in the first half. And so when I like, because there's times where it's just and yesterday, yeah, yesterday was was pretty quiet, so it was a little rough. But 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 it actually the way that space is, even if a couple of people laugh quietly, it it still carries, so it's okay. But it's made me really sympathetic towards towards like comics because (laughs) like I'm up there like oh no, they're not with me today. What do I do now?
0: <laughs> there was definitely one moment, and I wish I could remember it, but but my wife, Dee, was the only one who went, Ha! Ah! <laughs> this podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. So much less. So much less. So much less.